Hi, and welcome back to the Judaism From Within podcast. I'm Simi Lerner. I apologize I haven't posted for the past couple of weeks. Things have been quite hectic, for good reasons, thank God, but still requiring a lot of our time. But let's jump into it. We're discussing the next mitzvah that arises in Rav Hirsch's work, Chorev. We've been working our way through the mitzvahs in this book of his, and it's now arrived at Sukkot. And we're in the subject or the category of commandments which he refers to as edos, signs, symbolic gestures that arise within us, certain emotions, certain memories, and live themselves out in how we act in the world. That's what edos are. That's what symbolism is. It's always important for us to point out that doesn't mean that's all the mitzvah is, but the part of the mitzvah that Rav Hirsch feels we can grab is described in terms of symbolism. So what about a sukkah? That's what we're going to discuss today. But before we get into the details of a sukkah, and the title of this podcast brings up the topic of Armageddon, bear with me, we'll get there. But before we get there, what is Sukkot, generally speaking, trying to exhibit? Well, for Rav Hirsch, if we draw our minds back, each one of the festivals had a different category, both historical, agricultural. Sukkot is in the time of the harvest. What you've got for the year has just come in. But it's also the one of the festivals that historically commemorates the travelling of the Jewish people in the desert. The trust that we had in God when we travelled through the desert and we lived in these booths. It's the festival of Emunah. It's when you have trust in God, you have faith in God, you live with God in your life. And this is how Rav Hirsch opens up. The festival that sustained the Jewish people physically in the desert. Remember, the other festivals were either the spiritual or physical creation or the spiritual and physical sustainer. We were sustained physically through Sukkot. We were sustained spiritually with Shemini Atzeres, but that's a topic for later. Our physical survival, the sustaining of our physical presence in the world throughout the desert is commemorated by Sukkot. But how do we draw this down? How do we imbibe it into our being? How can we live this out? And Rav Hirsch opens up in a, in a really a beautiful and grounded way. And he opens up with, you've just had your harvest. Things could have gone well, but they could have also gone badly. And this, the way he describes both these sides of the coin, I find very validating. Because often you'll have religious thinkers of telling you, well, if you do the whole religious thing, things will go well for you. But we all know that's not true. People suffer, people struggle, especially financially. And Rav Hirsch opens up with a sympathetic, loving connection to the reader, that if things go well for you, and the harvest was well, or in your personal life in the modern world, you can put food on the table. Sukkot is calling to you in a specific way. But then he turns to the other fellow, and he says to him, and if things aren't going well, to my fellow Jew, he prays, you too go to the sukkah. There is a message for you there as well. There is a responsibility for you to imbibe there as well. And seeing both these sides of the coin, he has two distinct messages. If the harvest was well, and you're, let's use plain language, you're well off. You've got money in the bank. You've got savings. You're going on holiday. You're doing quite well. 
Sukkot is a time for you to reflect on your relationship with your physical objects, your relationship with your material gain. How do you relate to it? The only way you're able to reflect on something is if you can stand away from it. You enter the sukkah, look on what you've been given, look on what you've been handed, look what talents you were gifted. These weren't your creation, you were given them. If I'm doing well, standing into the sukkah forces me to look at my material gain and put it into the correct context. The Jewish people in the desert traveled with God. They lived with nothing. You two stand in their shoes and you should be overcome with gratitude for where you are and what you have. But as he turns to the person who things aren't going so well, and once again, let's use very grounded language. You might have debt. You might be struggling. Rav Hirsch isn't ignoring these realities. You're involved in the religious journey, and it's just not working out. He begs you to go into the sukkah. And in the suffering you're experiencing, recognize that there is a God there with you. Look at your experience as not being alone. The Jewish people went through the desert. Gives us another powerful message. The message of providence. That you're not in this alone. God walked with the Jewish people in the desert. He was with them, he was present, and in that presence, we developed our relationship with God. That we recognized that he was our shepherd. That is what Sukkot is giving over. Both to the wealthy, there is a deep and profound message of that lessening the grip you have on your material wealth. The slavery we are sometimes put under through what we want and what we want to gain and what we want to hold on to. You can step into the sukkah, and for you too as well, who things aren't going well. You're struggling, you're suffering, but you're not suffering alone. And more importantly, the suffering is not meaningless. There is meaning to the suffering. What that meaning is, I don't know. No one can ever claim to know that. But if there is someone with you, you have witness to your suffering. And that witness to the suffering shows us that there must be meaning to it. That is also brought out by the Jewish people being sustained in the desert, trusted God along the journey of the desert, and the metaphor of the desert is to us through the journey of life. So that's the first point. To the wealthy or to the poor, the message is profound and heavy. But now let's talk about the sukkah itself. And this is where the symbolism of how we're describing the building of the sukkah lives this principle out. What is characteristic of the sukkah? Well, obviously, the schach, the leaves on the top. But the leaves on the top have a very specific legal criteria that they have to fall into. And the walls, those too. And the message of equality in our relationship with God is brought out here quite beautifully. The schach, everyone has the same schach. Everyone. Everyone's, the criteria for schach for everybody is exactly the same. But your walls, those will be different. Once again, the validating of the lived experience. We have different social divides. We have different economic statuses. The walls recognize that. You can have a wall from brick or from straw, but the schach is the great equalizer because our relationship with God, that is the equalizer. But now let's develop it further. It's not only the equalizer. We're trusting in God. It's the festival of trust. It's the festival 
of emuna. So how does this develop? Well, what's the schach made out of? Well, it can't be made from something that's man-made. And the legal category this would fall into is what's known as what can be accessible to impurity. It's basically if you've built it, if there's been an intention behind it, like a cup or a bowl or a chair. We don't use those sort of things. You can't use leftover, you know, chairs to use as your sukkah. We said that that would look weird. It's not that it would look weird, but it's man-made. It has to be natural. It has to be from the natural world, but it can't be attached to the ground. So both the sides of the human experience where people would put their faith are denied with a sukkah. Denied with the attachment to the ground, you do not worship nature. You're not attached to the ground. I don't pray to Mother Nature for my sustenance. And the other side of the spectrum, where do people lay their hopes in human ingenuity? That is also negated by the sechach. The sechach negates both that which is attached to the ground and that which is through human ingenuity. Okay, so we've got our two clear points. The first one being that idea of both for the rich and for the poor, the time of the harvest, the sukkah has a message for both of us. And second of all, how the actual sukkah itself lives out this idea in its construction, the great equalizer, which is the schach, but the schach themselves negate both things we tend to put our trust in, be us the ancient pagans worshipping the earth, or worshipping technology, or worshipping that which we can create ourselves. We need that which we create ourselves. We are grateful for that which we can create ourselves, and for the people who put the time in to allow us to use the things that technology is able to provide for us. But that's not where we put our trust. We don't absolutize them. That we leave for God. Now, what is this about the apocalypse? I thought this was a good opportunity to talk about how Rav Hirsch talks about or navigates the discussion of Gog and Magog. Now, this is something that's what we would call Jewish eschatology, the end of days, the war of Gog and Magog, and people look at this as being some sort of cataclysmic battle that will one day take place. Rav Hirsch looks at it as being a profound metaphor. Now, this isn't just, it's a metaphor, but without any meat to that claim. He bases it and proves it in the Jewish tradition, but what I want to do is just point out the direction that he goes in. His point is that if the Sechach represent a shelter that has a philosophy embedded within it, a philosophy of trust in God, a philosophy of gratefulness, a philosophy of companionship, a philosophy of a relationship with the Almighty that we all have, that is symbolized by the Sechach. Well, what is the opposing philosophy? Gag. Gag is a roof. Magag is that which causes the roof. It completely shifts how you look at this whole Gaga Magag business. It's just exhibiting two philosophies, one that puts its trust in the Tower of Babel, for all intents and purposes, human ingenuity, and that is your new god. Or is it the Schach? Now that's an interesting way to end off a conversation about Sukkos, but that's how it is. It's a philosophy. It's a way of being in the world. Is it that of the schach or that of the roof? And on that note, I will wish you a wonderful week. And thank you so much for listening.